Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome to the Books to Business Workshop. Welcome, everybody. This week, we have the workshop on one of my favorite books, The 12-Week Year by Brian Moran. And if you didn't uh, listen or watch the interview, it's available on, obviously, on the iPod. What is it called? Podcast stuff. Podcasting. The, <laughs> I don't know what it's called anymore. Yeah, <laughs> it's also available on YouTube. But uh, uh, it's a good, good interview with Brian. Yeah. Because he's a he's a uh, this is the books to business podcast. He's a author, but also built a business around his book, which I think is awesome. Yeah, it's been fun. Every week, it's kind of like you get lost in a little world of whatever book we're doing. Yeah, you know, because Tuesday we do the review, then we do the author, and then you know we do the workshop, and this has been fun, man. This has been cool because this book's so well rounded and t- like I feel like. Some books like Brene Brown, Vulnerability may resonate with more people. Right. Uh, you know, every book's got its own little little niche. And this just, there's something in there for everyone. Like the motivation, the mindset, and then the, the, the structure. I just loved it. Yeah, loved perfect it. timing. Uh, because a lot of the books that we, that we, um, we curate are uh, motivational ideas and concepts uh, that you can apply in business. And one of the things Brian's very quick to point out in this book is you can't implement a concept. You can't yeah. implement an idea, and you need to take that idea, and you got to first turn it into a vision, right? You got to turn it into a picture in your mind's eye, and that's what the, your your limbic brain thinks and talks in pictures. It doesn't mm. have language, so you got to have it be an image of what your <clears throat> business looks like, what your business life looks like as an as a vision, and then the twelve week year is a very unique departure from annualized goal planning, right. you know, which tends to be ineffective and you know, kind of catch up ball as opposed to having the productivity of a year put into a 12 week uh, strategic uh, action plan. Yeah. It's uh, funny how much they need each other. <coughs> you know, time. it's like you can't like action without a big vision is kind of like running in place. It's like a treadmill. Right. And then, you know, if you have a vision without action, you know, you could be sitting on a couch with this killer idea your whole life. Right. They, they both equate to zero, essentially, but together that's kind of the, you know, the magical formula. We, we talked to Brian and I was like, hey, man, you took a book and made a business into it. And he says, no, I took a business and wrote a book about it. Yeah. And then I built a huge business from the book. The book was the, the concept. Remember, he was, in a, he was in a trade show. Him and his partner, um, Michael, had the business of coaching this 12-week year concept, which is basically a adopted from a European uh, Olympic training concept called periodization, mm-hmm. where they would train for a period of 12 weeks on one body part, these Olympic athletes, and they'd like, focus on their legs and focus on their, on their endurance and their nutrition, whatever it was, and they'd do it ultra-focused, and Brian started coaching on that in, in business, and he was at a trade show, and he had a concept of the 12-week year, and he, remember he said he wrote it into a little brochure, basically an extended brochure, uh, which he Wrote, wrote off to Kinkos. For those of you that know what Kinkos is, it's basically, what, what's the you know, what is what is it? The competitor is it? Fe- it's uh, be FedEx right now. So yeah. it was a copy store. You have to go make copies, and he he bound it up. If you ever saw Jerry Maguire, he went to Kinkos and 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 bound it up his uh, little thing. But that's what Brian did. And I think he he did a thousand of them, got rid of them, and then he wrote the twelve week year after. I like that. Yeah. I think that's how it should be. You yeah. know, like you do the, you create the business and you create the experience and right. the expertise, and you accumulate stories and knowledge, and then you share it in the book. You right. Know? I, I, uh, yeah. I really like that. And by the way, guys, um, at any point in time, so 
I, I know some of you in here have read it and some of you said you haven't, but you're interested in the topics like, you know, this cover, anything related to whether it's mindset or discipline or planning, like any thoughts, just flow it, throw it out there. We want this to be as conversational as possible. Sweet. Dustin. Well, we just jumped into the twelve-week deal, right? Yeah, I use—I mean, I use Evernote, and uh, and one of the things because uh, I know Skip's on there. He used to work with me. And we trained on the twelve-week year when I was when I was a insurance agent and a, and a general agent for an insurance company. So you have all these—you know—I had hundreds of agents and brokers, and everyone would submit their annual plan. If you added the annual plan up, every every annual plan, it would end up being like seven times bigger than we currently were because everyone kind of stretches their annual goal it's almost a dream uh, mm -hmm. and the and the challenge was we didn't make that into a real vision uh, so you got to work backwards from vision you know what it looks like in your mind's eye three years out and the annual goal um you know brian's point is is depart from that and get into like in the next 12 weeks what has to happen not 10 or 15 one or two or three things at the very most what key indicators have to, key outcomes have to happen in that 12 weeks to put you in a position to do that? So to answer your question, um, Dustin, it would be, you know, uh, go, you know goals that are, are written and seen regularly wherever you get up. Uh, in one of our books, uh, David Goggins has the accountability mirror. He sticks things on the little yellow, yellow things on the mirror, you know. What it, what it would, and there's another book that we did with habits. It says put things you want to do in the way of your normal track. Mm. You know, like he put the he used to put the uh, his sneakers on the way to the bathroom, so he'd know how to put them on and go for a run. Yeah. Um, but you know, whatever your you know, it's a hard question now. There's so many different tools. I use Evernote. Uh, we wrote a 12 week plan for our podcast. We visualized it. We're going to share that at the end if we got a little bit of time. Uh, I would say whatever it is that gets in the way of your normal flow. You know, I had a I had a vision wallet. I had something every time I grabbed my money on the back of it was a little card with the, the things I wanted to do. Um, but that's, uh, you know, it, it, whatever works for you, just be methodical in what you do every day. And you want that thing to be in front of your face. Mm. But that's a to-do list. And the departure from the to-do list, the 12-week plan is you only do things that are going to get you the outcome in the plan. You only do things that are going to get you your your outcome, like one of our outcomes that we wanted was an amount of uh, downloads in a given month because we've been almost doubling every month since we started this and we're six months in. Uh, so now we're starting to rate uh, and rank. So we have a goal to get that bigger and we have a certain amount of things that we're gonna do over 12 weeks that we feel will drive that number. We can't control who ultimately downloads but we can control the tasks that we strategically put in our plan and we can do them over the 12 weeks. So at the end of 12 weeks, we will have accomplished what most people that do this, and most people that do this get noise. They don't get much out of it. Well, it could take them a year if they do it at all. Yeah. Agreed. That's and kind of the, the way to do it. Yeah, and it's been like our conversation the other day. It was a huge learning experience for me. Uh, to be honest, I mean, I'm just not good at it. I'm, that's, that's an area of my life that like I need to shine a spotlight on. 
you know, if, and I'm making that transition now because I, one, my life's becoming a little bit more complex now, but if you looked at like, you know, three years, the past three years, even let's say you know, four years back, I mean, it was a pie in the sky number. It was 1 million subs on YouTube. And I knew, you know, it was one video a week, right? The simplification, which meant, you know, a few postings on Instagram and then client and consulting stuff that allowed me to sustain myself so that I could put out that one video a week and keep crawling toward. But but what this has done and, you know, why I loved our conversation yesterday is because it's not just one million subscribers. I mean, that's really just a number. Mm -hmm. But it's like, what does that look like? You know, and, and we were talking about how amazing it would be to be like, you know, the, the Cisco and Ebert of, uh, you know, of, of book reviews and how right. fun that would be to have, you know, a studio in New York and a studio in LA and you visualize this like almost larger than life thing right. and you sort of work backwards. Um, and it's cool because one, it gets you excited, but two, like it helps, like I always say, you cut away the things that really don't get you in line with that big thing, you know? So I use, I use Evernote for, yeah. thoughts but i use just the calendar on my phone for two or three things a day mm -hmm. i find if i try and do more than that i never like dude never get it done i just don't <laughs> it's two or three big things a day and then i i go to bed feeling good about myself <clears throat> and ready to rock and roll so long answer but it's just it's been a huge 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 learning curve for me there because i'm i'm a creative and i tend to like go no i don't want plans right but i see the value now yeah, if you work backwards, I mean, to take something that you might not know and be familiar with and take it with something everyone's probably familiar with, whether or not it's a problem for you, like uh, weight, weight loss. You know, some people envision themselves uh, or weight control or fitness. You know, that you can always visualize yourself looking like something or somebody. Yeah. And that would be the vision. And then it'd be easy to say, oh, I want to look like... Um, be a good one. I don't even know who I want to look like anymore. I want to look like Steve, right? <laughs> if you ever saw Steve, Steve, Steve's in really good shape. I rode bikes with him today. But if you ever want to do that and you say, oh, I want to look like this in a year, right? Or two years or three years. And then you say, well, you know, I look the way I look right now. I got a long way to go. And there's leading and lagging indicators to weight loss. Most people work off the lagging indicator, which is only measuring your weight at a certain time. It's a like, big point in here, by the way, yeah. leading and lagging. Yeah, so at the end of a 12-week period, you'd measure your weight and you'd know whether or not you, you made it or not. A leading indicator in weight loss is, is like how much water you drink, how many bottles of water. Like You can measure that every day. You can have a goal. I'm going to drink five bottles of water. Uh, you can measure calories. Like I use these beads on my wrist that count calories. I, I slide beads over, you know, so I do no more than 1,800 calories a day. I lost mm. 140 pounds. At one time, I you had were a, a big few, boy. I was a big and skip nose. <laughs> I was 340, 350 pounds at my peak. Wow. But um, the leading indicator is what you can measure water, calorie, exercise time, uh, aerobic hours. You can count all that. But the lagging indicator is the actual weight. So, in a goal, if you want to be a best selling author, like a New York Times best selling author, like Brian was, that could be like a three-year vision. I want to be a New York Times best-selling author so he can visualize himself being on the New York Times list. He can visualize himself doing a TED Talk, talking at, you know, taking the award at the banquet. But what is a, that's a lagging visionary. What would be an indicator is at the end of 12 weeks, have a manuscript for an actual book written. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Have uh, video content. Have social media pages built. Have a message defined. Hire a coach. There's right. lots of things you can do that are leading indicators to get your goal. And that's what the 12-week year is about. It sure is. And there's, so two things. One is, 
Is it Siskel and Ebert? Siskel. 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 I think one of them's dead. Yeah. Okay. Um, the other. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Uh, isn't someone dead? Check it, Steve. I don't know. I think one of them's dead. The other is. I didn't th- kill that was. <laughs> That was one of the most important points in the book, and the way he said it really it, simply, right? Brian Moran says, have the courage to measure. Like, it, that simple, like, have the courage to measure. Because we don't, it's, it's intimidating. Like, it, it's not something that we love to do is measure our progress. It's like, I always make the joke, people are like, after a long weekend, I don't even want to look at the bank statement. I don't want to measure what just right. happened. Um, but you can only grow and improve upon that which is measured. Right. And so, you know, that's why the, the beginning of this book is mindset and, and looking at life the right way. And it's like until you can look in the mirror and say, I'm going to double right. down and measure what's in front of me, um, the results come. You the know? courage. That was, I love that chapter because he also talks about shedding the light on, on your own bad results. Yeah. And, and owning it, you know, and owning the, you know, own that you didn't do it. And the problem with the annual plan, this is one of the big problems, is there's too much time and there's too much rationalization that can occur in a 12-12s plan. Like if you did the one twelfth of the plan, which is January, and you and you just bombed. Like you're gonna let's say you're gonna do a million dollars in business, and there's only you know that'd be eighty three thousand in the first month. Eighty three mm-hmm. times twelve, and you do zero. And I've done this and seen this. Like what do you do? You take you take eighty three thousand and divide it by eleven, and then the next month it happens and it keeps recycling in a twelve week plan. Like the, the 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 year is ending and and not you know in a month it's it's a third over, so it, it shortens the cycle and it and it makes you far more likely to to uh, make those adjustments far earlier. Yeah. As opposed to just catch playing catch up ball, and then at the end of twelve weeks the world stops. This is one of my favorite parts of the book. Uh, you know, there's a biblical quote I like uh, in. Uh, it's in, it's in one of the biblical books. I don't quote the Bible much, but it says, come away with me to my friends, uh, to a quiet place and get some rest. It's about getting away and regrouping and coming back to business. So when I talk about recreation, like recreating yourself, uh, George Bush, uh, the, the Herbert Walker Bush spoke for us uh, about, I don't know, about 15 years ago. And he says when Desert Storm hit and the bombs were going off, he didn't go back to the White House because he was, I think he was at Camp David or his other camp in, in Texas. He got criticized. And he says, no, that was, my, that was my recreation. He goes, I recreate myself. I step away. So a good technique at the end of every 12 weeks, if you do nothing else, try to do the plan, write it down as best you can. We actually have a, a, a PDF of this we could probably put in the chat. Uh, they can give you a little guidelines, but I, I recommend getting the book. And then at the end, measure it regularly, weekly. And then at the end of 12 weeks, shut the world down and, and stop for a day or two and write it again. Yeah. It's great because yeah. pro- progress is readjusting. The Everything. problem people have is that they it takes too long before they look around them and, and readjust their their plan. And by the way, you practice what you preach, right? I mean, you're, you're a recreation. I mean, you went through hell. You've told this story before. Um, but you knew you had to uproot. Yeah, I mean, very, very deliberately, and um, and it was a it was a matter of a bunch of adjustments. I mean, I've been through I've been a long ways till, and I tried a lot of things that didn't work. I wanted to have a lifestyle friendly business. That was a vision that I would not be tied to a desk. I wanted to sell my suits, right? Burn them, bury them, get rid of them. I have one for funerals and uh, and, and and one for an interview on Oprah if I ever get it, right? And sell my suits, lifestyle friendly. You know, do things I love to do. Mm-hmm. which is helping highly ambitious people recreate themselves. 
and do it through books, through the podcast, through speeches, through coaching. And it's been fun, you know, and it's been a lot of a lot of adjustments, but it's it's not been like I, I set this goal three years ago and it happened. Like a lot of it didn't happen, which yeah. is fine. Yeah. You know, because you'd be real about your um, your results, like the stoic, you know, to see things as they really are. I love that. Yeah, be real about your, your results. I find myself quoting that a lot. Like the, um, who said it? When uh, the, the quote about, um, shoot, I'm drawing a blank. What boat? Was it Ryan Holiday? It, it, was, it was from Ryan Holiday. Um, it was about like letting go of the things you can't control. Oh, but that was the uh, Serenity Prayer. God grant me the courage, the courage to, or God grant me the courage to accept the things I can't control. And something, something, the, the things, things I, I can. can. And the, and the, wisdom <laughs> serenity, the serenity to yeah. accept the things you can't control, courage to uh, uh, act on the ones you can, I think. And the wisdom to know the difference. Yeah, yeah that's it, the Serenity Prayer. I'll look it mm. up. Yeah, there's things you have control over and there's things you don't have control over. I'm just reading this book, by the way, for those of you that are on our for next week it's victor frankl's man's search for meaning and you know it was in the prison camps in the in the darkest hours of his life you know at the, at the where, where like he said it was the only the only the only form of existence was food like that everyone was on baseline find food to live another day and he you know the one thing the one freedom that they can't take away from you is your perception of of the reality of the circumstances Mm. Like the last freedom you have as a, as a person is is your choice of attitude. Sounds like that's going to be the main theme of the book, huh? Yeah, it's pretty cool. I was going to say one of my favorite goal setting strategies is more daily because I'm very go with the flow throughout the day. But mm-hmm. someone told me this. I think it was in the life coaching course. I and I, it was just super impactful. It's you have your your nights and your mornings you can always control. It like bookends your day. So when, like the, the last thing you go bef- do before you go to sleep and the first thing you do in the morning you can always do. Mm-hmm. And so if you have those set, like those are when I look at my goals for the, for the next day and then in the morning that's how I start my day. So then throughout the day I, I, I start off on the right foot looking at my goals but it's, you can always control those two things and throughout the day like things come up all the time so it's really hard to, unless you work like it's the same hours but like whenever you're doing anything things come up. People bother you, people interrupt you. So I like the bookending of the day. It's awesome. For That's me. really cool, man. So you do your you do your kind of like a, a summary and then a quick overview of the next day. So you wake up like ready to rock and roll. Yeah, and a lot of things I've noticed is that I I like to do in the morning, like use my fresh brain for some of the important mm-hmm. things, so that like the mornings work for me. And that's what I was going to say also about the habits and the goals is like you got they have to fit your lifestyle. So it's like you fit you fit the habits in your lifestyle or they'll never work. You know, like I know I by twelve one you guys know I'll be going nuts. So I, that's when I usually <laughs> do my my activity. So I do the morning when I'm still waking up, my body's still waking up, and then I know I'm gonna have to run around or I'm gonna lose it. Yeah, look so. at that body. That's the one I want. My vision. <laughs> <laughs> Aristotle's famous quote is: um, "We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, therefore, is not an act; it's a habit." Like I've never seen anyone more ritualized and and habit driven than you you got like great habits as a you program your habits and what the 12 week year does is it lays the groundwork you know whether it's 21 days or 2100 days it really doesn't matter it you, you know i think it's different for everybody like what is it that you ultimately want to do uh you do and get your you need the feedback loops to get a habit installed in my judgment you can't just try something and it not work and you give up on it mm-hmm. you got to go through the emotional um, what's it called? The emotional cycle of change. If it feels bad, 
you know, at some point during your journey to, to re- recreate yourself, if that's the word you want to use, or transform? Because everybody's on this for some reason because they want to transform. They want to go from some place to someplace else. That's transformation. And that's the human condition is to transform. When you do that, you're going to make different changes. You're going to be cutting things out of your life and either making something better that exists now or adding something new. And uh, talk about that uh, that four that four step cycle of change. It was yeah, it's a five it step uninformed. Yeah, it was uninformed optimism was yeah. the first one. And right? by the way, think it'd be cool. Like as we're talking about I this, think, think about one. something you're building, and where you might be along this process. Right. Right. So I don't, I don't mean to yeah, cut no, you no, off. That's but it. Yeah, it's here. Uh, it's a. It's a. I can probably show it in the. I think the he'll he'll too. show it on the thing. Yeah, it's it's a journey. You know, it's like the it's like a, a movie. Yeah, I swear to God, it it covers, you know, for the twelve week your challenge or. But I can take anything I've gone through and I can point to right. each one of those things, you know. Right. It's, um, yeah. It's, if you, I don't know whether or not you're. You want me to run through them? I mean, it's super simple. Yeah, he's gonna put it up. So just give it a quick second so people can see it. Let's see. It's right. It's right there. So if you if you can share your screen. But it's the start of any journey. It's called the emotional cycle of change, I believe. There it is. Yeah. Check it out. So let's go for it. All right. So you have the uninformed optimism. So that's like, you know, someone the other day asked me a question about starting a podcast, right? And that's sort of the like, when you're like, ooh, podcast, and you're thinking about all the awesome things and talking and guests and, you know, how much fun it's going to be and creating a, a, a group of people that follow you and enjoy what you're doing. That's the uninformed optimism, right? That's the beginning. And you sort of dive in a little bit, right? So let's condense the cycle. Let's say it's one, two weeks in, and you realize right. you're setting up cameras, you're editing audio, you're spending three hours on something or a day, and you release it, and it doesn't get any attention, and you start thinking, oh, boy, right? That is uh, informed pessimism. Yeah, the ether's wearing off. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> your vision's not as tight in your brain, and the brain's trying to kick it out of your life. The honeymoon period so you're is to get, over. You're getting negative feedback, right? Exactly. Um, and then you sink to three. And three is an important spot. This is when most people uh, call it quits. The valley of despair. It's when the negativity and what you don't have seems to scream so loud that you forget about what it could be. And that's when, when people fold. Yeah, the bus, the bus, that's where the bus stop is because loads and loads of people get on the bus there and leave and go back to their old world. Yep. You know, that's the hero, in the hero's journey, which is most any great movie, the value of despair is when all is lost, right? Yeah. You look at it, it's like in any movie, you'll see that that's the absolute pit of, of, a, of a story. And, you know, this story sequence is, um, is how our brains will work because once we're climbing back up that out of that valley, our, we're getting tons of feedback, tons of, uh, you know, tons of emotional feedback. The dopamine's hitting like you're winning, you're, you're coming back. And then you get, you know, you get to the top of the, uh, the, top of the uh, gold medal plat- uh, platform, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like Phelps. <laughs> <laughs> you, know? you think Phelps just swam and right across that from one to four? Oh. That might have been yeah. my favorite part of he the book. Tell him the Phelps story. He, the didn't, Phelps. he didn't swim from one to the four. One, just the me. one that about the evidence? Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, so the, I think my favorite part of the book was when it talked about uh, greatness, and it's 
when you win an Olympic medal or you achieve greatness, people think that's when you become great. They say Michael Phelps, that's when he achieved greatness. People don't say that, but that's what like when you, the emotion you have when you watch him it's like win what that. You think. Yeah, it's like you achieved greatness. But what he says in the book is that all the moments leading up to that was when he was creating greatness or achieving greatness already because that and and the olympic medal is just the evidence of that greatness manifesting so i love that because then it brings it down to the moment that you're you're connecting to your vision and you could think about everything you're doing right now is what you need to do to win that medal it's not that you're just going to become great in that moment you have to become great right now i freaking love that Mm. yeah there's a there's a marketing strategy called the strategy of preeminence and that means you're preeminent. You're you're like you're known to be that person. You're known for that. Like if you go to any town, like who's got the best pizza in town? They'll say, "Oh, you got to go to I don't know what it, pizza around here sucks." So <laughs> if you're in Boston, it'd be, "Oh, you got to go to Pizzeria Regina," or you got to go to if you ever been to Pepe's in New Haven, you know, got to go to Pepe's. I've heard that two thousand times from someone from Connecticut. And like, who's the best swimmer on earth? It's it's uh, it's Phelps. It's evidence of his greatness. The greatness was in the Valley of Despair when he kept swimming, when he didn't feel like getting up because he had a vision of getting on that platform 12 times Mm. that got him up out of bed into the pool. That's the supporting piece, right? right? Because he's human in all humans. And, you know, I I think this is what, what Dustin was alluding to in a way. It's like, you know, we don't wake up excited every day. That's just not human. We have bad days. And so... You know, there's the idea that we don't rise to our ambitions or goals, but we always fall back on the systems we have in place. So you know for damn sure that Phelps had systems. That even when he was, you know, down and out, he knew what point at what day he was doing what. And it was almost like autopilot, you know, automating your success. Um, Now, Steve, like with your food, because you were just saying that he's like very regimented and very disciplined, but, you know, when it comes to that automating success, I think another thing you do well that like no one ever talks about is you also insert kind of a buffer. Like you'll yeah. have a piece of pizza. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? So yeah. It's like, so one friend pointed this out because on my Instagram story, I put like a really giant pizza and I put fuel instead of like cheat day. Yeah. So it's like the same thing, but just using different terms. And that's kind of where I kind of put my would would so-called cheat day and that came from experimenting because I was really rigid at once and I performed well like my workouts were going well and I know the day before a dunk day which is like my big max effort workout day that I need a lot of fuel especially carbs and one time I tried pizza one day like it was a little gradual so it wasn't like a full pizza but now it's like I can go kind of all in the day before that day and then that's kind of like a celebration as well exactly keeps it less monotonous yeah do you want him to go get a real t-shirt on what do you mean (laughs) (laughs) what's the reason we gotta have people susceptible to that that whatever it is you got on i didn't even catch until i saw him on the monitor he's wearing a a tank i forgot too no worries Um, no worries hey you know you're living a lifestyle friendly business right let's take some questions Uh, everybody here i'd assume is either in business wants to start a business has a vision for growing um you know your business I, i was i was listening i have a coach and his business is really interesting his business is he said he said this to me he says you know everyone has a feeling that they're they're made for something special, but they usually don't know what it is yet. Mm. He goes, I help them figure that out, and then I help them do it. Like that's his company. He helps people, you know, find their purpose. And he doesn't dance around. He says, No, what's your purpose? When you wake up in the morning, why are you waking up? And when you went to bed, how, why? What what happened to make you know you had a good day? Yeah. And it's a pretty cool business, but it's 
It's like that's an easy thing to to say, and he's got a whole process to help people identify what that is, and then there's a whole second half on how to do it. Right. In the twelve week year, by the way, in the book, if you kind of have an idea of what it is you want to accomplish, and you're you go through the visualization exercise, and you have that in your mind's eye. Like you can, you can literally buy this book for under twenty bucks, and and have a reasonably well written plan that I would stack up against most that that companies pay thousands of dollars for. Yeah, with the implementation philosophies, this is an operating system to execute any idea and concept. Right. Dustin brought up a really great point. He was saying, uh, "How would you tie this book into starting a business?" So I, I'm pretty sure that's what he meant by his question, but. I thought even if not, it's a cool concept. Like if you had to write a 12-week plan for a brand new business, could you do it? Or what would, what would be an example of that? I think that'd be a cool... Well, it's cool because it holds your hand through. Yeah. You know, there's like different levels. There's a theoretical level. We were talking about your vision. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it goes down to three years out. You know, what are you thinking? And then you got just... You ultimately end up going week by week. And so you got like different levels of focus. And the cool thing is like you adjust as you go. So say like you're three weeks in, it's not like a year thing where you're going to look six months down the road. No, you're looking and you're checking off the little dots and you're like, eh, some of these don't feel right. And so you tweak and you, I think it's, it's critical for a business. Um, and that's why, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. I'm uh, trying to yeah, greater you know, put greater structure in my I mean, my life. If you're going from scratch, uh, it was, this would have been a hell of a lot harder ten years ago. Like most most businesses are real easy to research. You can actually there's websites. I forget what you know. I forget what they are, but it's not hard to find them. You, you can figure out what what is the traffic feeding source for most big websites. So if you want to be like some business, like I, I doubt anyone's going to invent an industry. There's about thirteen recognized industries by the Department of Labor. You're not going to invent a new industry. Unlikely. Possible, but unlikely. So you're going to drop into one of those 12, and you're going to be similar to something in there. You can research that, that industry. You can, if, the, if, if it's a big industry like uh, Amazon, you could even read the, the guy's book the everything store he wrote. I haven't read the book yet, but everyone I lays out the blueprint. Like, it's like all right there. there. Yeah. yeah, Ray Dalio did it in Principles. <laughs> Every, you know, everyone does it. Like, here's the book. This is how I did it. I wrote it in my book. Exactly how I recreated myself. And it's as simple. I think it's too simple. People think it's not. You know, it's, it can't be that simple. Like, it's not simple in in plan. It's simp- It's difficult in execution. Yeah. But you can. You the, the key to executing a brand new business plan is a, what's called a gradient execution and gradient learning. And if you think about a ramp, a gradient, a ramp starting very low, which is zero, and it goes up a little bit at a time, like that's a scale, a grade. You're grading your, your knowledge and ability and your implementation. That will get you new abilities and it'll help you, you know, so you're not jumping right into the value of despair. You're getting some wins along the way. So you have some capabilities. Uh, but yeah, in the 12 week year, there's a whole model to outline. What the what the outcomes at the end of twelve weeks are, and working backwards from that's very logical. Yeah, you know, it's almost easy to do. I could literally help you do it, and I'm you know I'm not in the industry. That's how you connect the dots. I mean, you could, couldn't you? Yeah, of course. Yeah. And by the way, I see some Instagram pe- Instagram peeps. Daniela, Bernie, Bernie's in South Africa. It's like three in the morning. Wow, like, commitment. I know that's pretty amazing. It might it might be later than that. I'm not sure what time it is. I wonder when the world's going to open back up. That's but awesome. anyway, well, happy you guys are here. It's yeah, it's so cool. Um, yeah, like, in, like we podcast. I didn't know what a podcast was a year ago. Like I le- legitimately didn't even know what it was. 
You know, I used to make yeah. fun of them. I, I remember that. I was like, who? And I used to make fun of LinkedIn. I, was like, I used to call it the Losers Club. Like, I thought, <laughs> like, why would you go to LinkedIn to meet people? Like, yeah. I had no idea. I was just ignorant. Um, yeah, they're important tools. Like, you learn that. Yeah. Uh, for some reason, podcasting seemed dry to me a couple of years ago. And now it's like, a, it's one of the most freeing platforms. I mean, you literally yeah. just sit into a mic and you can say what you want to say. Well, it's the opposite of what I thought. Yeah. We, we took we took what we we rode bikes down the pier down the end here. Uh, it's about eight miles away, I think, maybe six. And we'd have lunch at this this beautiful restaurant on the pier. And every time we talked about books, right? Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, I read books, he read books, and then we talked about. Then we started reading the same books, and then we we started a podcast out of it. That's legitimately how it how it how it started. I had no idea what it was, but it, I did it for. You know, I knew I know people will would benefit from this, but I'd actually end up learning the book at a higher level. You know, when you when you got to read it to teach others, you learn it at a higher level. Well, again, everybody that's participating here, if you haven't read the book, it's okay. You can study the book without reading it through various YouTube channels and our podcast, or you could read the book and then reinforce it. But if you wanna if you wanna learn all these concepts and read like a CEO, that's one book a week. On average, they read about 50. Um, you can do it along with us, and then you can reinforce it at a high level. Yeah. But you need something to implement what you learn. That's my point. You can't just learn everything and become immobilized by information because that'll, that, that'll create chaos. A business is organized to chaos. That's what a business is. A 12 year is a process to organize your chaos Life into is actionable leading <laughs> indicators to produce the lagging results. That's a really good point, man. I'm looking at some of these. Talk Like Ted, Brene Brown, Start With Why, right. The Martian, beautiful life-changing concepts, but very little as far as implementation. Um, Gary Keller does the one thing. It's, it's a good book on, on, on task, on staying focused on a single task every day. Um, and it's got a little strategy in it, but this book here, this this is a this is a real big person's business plan. Like you could you could you could take this book into a big company and help them write a big business plan. So if you have clients or you're a consultant, uh, once you know the twelve week year, you can also teach it. You had um, Brian come into your company, right? Like yeah. he did a whole workshop. Yeah. When he ran through that um, with the other employees, what was the biggest struggle they had? Was it the planning part, executing on time, or like the scoring? Um, was there any common theme, or was everybody different? there? Was there was um, a lot of there was a lot of uh, emotion, positive, a lot of the, the, the emotional cycle of change. We weren't ready <laughs> for the emotional cycle of change, wow. uh, or I didn't listen during that part of the presentation. <laughs> Because the emotional cycle of change, you got informed optimism, you write your plan, and if you know it's going to happen, if you know a beating's coming, yeah. like if I stayed out late when I was a <laughs> <Yeah>. kid, <laughs> I know my old man's going to beat me. Yeah. So if I stayed out, at least I knew. He wasn't going to beat me up, but he'd scream at yeah. me. He never hit me. But I know it's coming, and then it's okay, right? You, you, you get through it. But if you just think things are going to be great and you don't know that it's going to be hard, there's no, no business in the world that's relevant and meaningful that, that someone didn't, didn't pay for it. Right, you gotta you gotta pay your dues. Um, you know, we talked about being underpaid, overworked for a little while to be underworked and overpaid forever at some point. Yeah, that's the purpose of business. Um, so the pushback was more like they weren't. It wasn't like they were bracing for some big change. It was 
Well, we had a, one thing that was helpful. We had a pretty good size organization. It was over 100 people. There was a common tool of, of reference when you talked. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to think these are all independent, independent business people. So we had a common tool to have conversations about performance. So that was a big plus. And, you know, we're, and I wouldn't say we fell down. We've doubled our business in you know, t- two years, and we doubled it again. So the results were fantastic. And it, was, it wasn't one thing. It was a couple, three really well thought out um, <laughs> things that we, that, we, that we wanted for outcomes. One was, growing, one was growing the amount of salespeople. One was growing the average productivity per salesperson. And then another was growing physical locations. Those were the three things that, that we implemented as a management team. But the produ- producers and the advisors, they wanted you know, more clients, bigger clients, Maybe they wanted to, ex, you know, expert, you know, specialize in something, but without a plan, that's all. That's all a, a pipe dream, right? So some people that don't follow through um, is one thing. A lot of the loaners had trouble with it. I know that was definitely one of the things. People that kind of had their own thing and stayed to themselves, they'll go home and they'll never do it. Um, and we talked about this on, on, with Brian, I think, you know, working with a peer. Mm. Uh, you know, heart transplant patients that get a heart transplant, which is very hard to get, and liver transplant. You know, there's a lot of issues with um, complying and, and uh, uh, what do they call it? Uh, you know, following the rules. And I forget what that's called. It's, it's c- compliance, right? The complying with the, the directives. Like if you're a heart transplant patient, most likely had uh, heart disease, which is usually, you know, by a lifestyle related. So these people had to change, and they almost never did but 70% did if they did it with somebody else. They had peer. That was a, a very powerful thing. If you're doing planning, doing it with a accountability buddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was in a South Park episode. <laughs> but accountability buddy, someone to help you, you know, run your plan and, and, and uh, go through the value to spare with. And what's the quote? Accountability is not consequences. It is ownership. 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 Yeah, ownership. Yeah, it's a big difference. Yeah. A lot of people use accountability as a weapon, right. and that's not what it is. That's not an environment you want to operate in. Um, you know, it's not a carrot or a stick thing. It's an important part of growth. And again, to to know where you're going or to get where you're going, you have to know where you are. So, you know, to your point, the ability to sit down, hold each other accountable, means to sit down and shine a spotlight on the reality. Well, it's a it's a Stockdale commitment paradox. too, like commitment, accountability, what's consequences. These are all like neg- sure. people call it like negative terms. Like uh, what Brian talks about in the book is like a commitment to promise to yourself. It's not a promise to somebody else. Right. Like that's a commitment. When I say I want your commitment, it's like, no, give yourself the commitment and our relationship will benefit. It's a big deal. Yeah, so I was going to say that we we designed a twelve week plan for our business. But do you have any twelve week personal plans that you want to implement? Like, because we always talk about those five things. What are they again? You always say them. What? Oh, your 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 five. Yeah. Yeah, one by five. So, um, you know, your your physical body, your health, um, your mental health, your relationships, your uh, your your learning, okay, or abilities, and then your earning. So you got your health. Physically, your mental health, your uh, relationships, your learning, and your earning. Mm. So if, if those are all driving, you know, at some point, that's what people strive for is to be that way. Um, you know, if you look at Maslow's hierarchy of need, yeah. 
you know, the baseline, the baseline need that everyone goes for is, is survival. So if you're in business, you got to have, you have to have pro survival uh, attraction. You have to have things that people are attracted to that help them survive. Um, you know, and what survival is different now than it used to be. Like the, the five things that, peop- that help people survive is making money, saving money, which is money related, uh, saving time, connecting with others, you know, building allies in the old world, and um, status. So how do those five tie into your, the other five, the, the plan you're making? Um, I mean, you know, your physical body, it will help you. you know, having a healthy physical body is a survival, pro-survival tool. Having a, a calm mind or a stable mind is also a survival tool. Mm-hmm. Having healthy relationships is at building your allies. Uh, having new abilities is a survival tool. Learning yeah. books, books, um, books help you learn, and then earning is uh, money is what food used to be. Yeah, protection and safety, freedom. You know, look at look at. Um, I mean, that's everything comes back to survival. If we didn't have um, jobs, like there were no jobs 600 years ago for the industrial revolution, there were no jobs. Like you, you worked, you worked in the farm, or you worked, to, you you did something for a trade, you traded it for survival. You know, for for food or shelter, but that hierarchy of need goes up from there. But you know, we 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 look at this in business. Uh, you know, you got to have a plan. Like, if I'm going to build a company that doesn't help people survive, I'm going to struggle. Right. I got a question here. A good one from Bradley. It says, "Who have been your best accountability partners, and where did you find them?" Oh my God, that's an easy. It's two. I found them at Mass Mutual. I oh, one at New England. Roger Tuttle was my mentor. Uh, Roger had a baseball bat. Howard had a <laughs> carrot. <laughs> um, yeah, um, yeah. I had uh, I had good mentors. I mean, both of those people to this day, I uh, I consider mentors. You know, they helped me believe in myself, hold myself to a higher standard, and they both let me in both cases let me fall. Uh, good question, eh, Bradley. Um, yeah, the, the, you know, having a mentor in all those five areas, like somebody that you aspire to be like. Um, for a good physical body, you know, health, you know, health and physical vitality, and then mental health. Like, you know, I have a yoga mentor. You know, I have a mental, mental uh, yoga mentor. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody who lives in Jacksonville. They're like, fantastic. They've been a big part of my my, my calmness. Yeah, things I've learned from that. How about you? Um, Get the spotlight off of me. Yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> so my my parents and my my family. They're it's funny. They're almost like my dad knows how my videos and my content's doing down to, uh, you know, the, the view. So, you know, it's, he's always been, been great. Like when I start dropping off, you know, we have come, we've always had conversations around that. Um, I had, uh, he's one of my best friends now. Um, and just actually his, I didn't even tell you about that. His business just blew up yesterday. Um, but he sent me an email just cold, uh, maybe three years ago. He said, Eddie, I watch, watch your videos and uh, I was wondering if you want to be an accountability partner. And I'm like, what the hell is that? You know, I don't. Uh, and, and he started explaining. He's like, just, you know, every morning, 5 a.m., you know, send a quote, something to motivate each other. Mm. Know that we keep, you know, we're up and we're working towards uh, what we're going for. And um, that changed my life. Like, not only has he impacted me, it's just out of chance, you know. Cool. Um, yeah, it's been really, really an amazing thing. So that was the first time that I, I leveraged it, like, intentionally. Right. And then now, obviously, you guys and 
um, you know, a, a few other folks. Circle's small, but that's good because, you know, there's line of sight to, to everything going on. So Yeah, like reading a book a week isn't a chore anymore. We have, we're, we're accountable to the thousands of people listening to our podcast. I gonna, yeah. I was going to say that as like yeah. if all of you have some kind of social media, I dare you to post something about like on your Facebook, I'm going to go walk every single day this week. Because just even though you put it out there, if no one responds, you know that's out there in public, somebody might do it. It's a real driving force to get you to do it. See, I'm 100% on board. What I need to do, what I need to do, Steve's been yelling at at us for this forever. Us? Yeah. (laughs) You're worse than me and I'm pretty bad, is, is stories. Like, cause I'm up at five every oh, morning. Yeah. I don't want, I don't That's, think to like tell people that yeah. I'm up, you know, but like that creates yeah. a sense of community and like, it's important to do. I have a motivating one. I got one of the best comments I've ever gotten yesterday. I've been posting every morning, my meditations. Did I tell you this already? No. I don't know. And some, a kid responded to it after like, it was like day five. And he said, uh, I'm starting to do my meditations at this time every day. When I scroll and see that you're, I do it on my balconies. When I see the balcony, it reminds me to do it. Like he's like mentally attaching oh, yeah. into it. And I was like, that makes me like, I have to do it now. Cause you know, you said that I'm like, <laughs> can't let them down. I know. So that Come was on. like huge, but like yeah. you can think of that too, is that other people are watching you. That's a, it's a really strong you, driver. You, you can drag people with you. Exactly. Because <laughs> I can I gotta be at least a hundred people that I've known for my lifetime. Yeah. that are reading books now. And they don't read a book. They're asking me about the book. I said, did you read the book? It's like, no, but I watched your thing. I said, well, it's better than zero. Yeah. Now they're, they're reading and thinking about books. I think books are the, are the gateway to you know, the knowledge and the tools you find in books. Well, but I had to, to get... Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I, I was going to say, we, we, we also, because of our 12-week plan, we implemented a new um, keystone habit. And we're going to... We're Eddie, Eddie and Steve, we all worked on this video, more so those two, actually. And they, they, they did a four-minute clip on a, you know, a book review, but in a more unique way than I think ever existed. I've never seen one like this. So we're going to release one once a week, and we finished the one that we're going to be releasing this week for Brian's book. Uh, if you want to play it, can you, you rip can you play you it? You want to wait to the end? Keep people oh. in... in what do you think? I want to play it now. I just want, right. I just teed you up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, cool. Pass. Um, yeah, it's a three-minute video, so just listen to it. We'd love some feedback. Just Good. a warning, not sure about the audio, so it might be loud, so just beware of that. All right. So this is a, you know, this is like a why to read the 12-week year. You got to do right. a screen share. All right. There we go. Should I talk about the reasoning for it now or after? Yeah, <laughs> give, them a, give them a little heads up. So here's the, here's the thought, right? So... And I don't want to give like the, uh, the life story here, but basically like podcasting is unique in that it's very difficult to find organically. YouTube is incredible in that it's the biggest search engine in the world. And so what we wanted to do is to connect the dots from podcasting to YouTube because that's where you see fireworks. And so we're thinking about virality. So one video every week, something that's not necessarily this format where we're sit down and we're like giving instruction and talking about the ins and outs of the book, but something to get people excited, like a little movie trailer for the book. So when it's on YouTube, someone sees it, they go, oh my God, I can get a lot from that. That's cool. And then they kind of filter into, you know, the, the world of books to business. So just wanted to give you that. Imagine if you sell like a million copies for Brian with this video. Check this video out. This is a good, this good this video makes you want to read the book. Let's see. Maybe not, but I think it does. What if I told you you're operating at a fraction of your potential? Not because you aren't doing enough, but because you're not doing enough of the right things. 
because you're letting the world dictate your path, letting false narratives diminish the greatest commodity you have, time. See, the first step towards anything of substance is accountability. Understanding that you are not a victim. No, quite the opposite. You are the author of your own story and capable of exponentially more than you thought possible. Step one is believing that life isn't a matter of have to, but a culmination of get to's. Little victories in the present that come to define you and your journey. As Ben Franklin states, when you take care of the minutes, well, the years take care of themselves. And it's not just being hopeful or wishing or, or crossed fingers, but the execution in the now. Understanding the power of this moment, the air you're breathing, and the opportunity around you. See, there's a misconception about the Michael Phelpses of the world. That they became great when they broke the record, when they waved to the crowd and stood on the podium. But in reality, their greatness was captured long before any podium. The podium was when the, the world became aware. Greatness was achieved in the solitary, individual moments of courage, every time they made the present count. Because it's when we least want to push forward that this is precisely when we must do so. It is through the valley of despair that we must carry on. That is the root of greatness. And being human, well, it means not always wanting to do the right thing, but implementing the parameters that guide us. After all, we don't rise to our ambitions, we fall to our systems. And what Brian Moran states is that annual goals seem to overlook that very thing that drives our success, accountability, empowerment, right? Annualization leaves an infinite void for guessing. Goals unaccounted for, trying to hit targets in the dark. But what if we looked at life differently? What if we crafted a new system that elevated our courage to measure, to quantify a lens through which necessary readjustment was the norm? What if every 12 weeks we crossed a finish line, stood atop a, a metaphorical mountain from which we could overlook our results? What we'd see is a much more manageable period of time where months become weeks and weeks become days where our victories can be celebrated and our misfires can be examined and reapproached. Why forfeit the advantage that can come from simply controlling your time and measuring your growth? Accountability is not consequences, it's ownership. And the 12 week year is about owning each trip around the sun. After all, big things are only an accumulation of little things. Methodical steps taken to connect the dots from the life you have to the one you've always dreamed of. All right, we'll open up for some feedback if that's okay. There you go. But that'll be a fun, uh, a fun approach and what something if, that we can standardize every week and continue to grow this bad boy, you know? I do have one question here. Um, it is from Ryan. It's from Ryan. 
Wait, where is it? There it is. Okay. When things change drastically, like they have, have you, and you have to pivot to create new strategies, how does that impact your 12 week plan? You could say that that's the point of the plan, right? Right. You, you sort of, it's, it puts you in a position to, um, one, anticipate pivots and then make them. Um, because if you, again, just to really simplify this, like, if you're going, if you have a one-year plan, you're adjusting at the end of a year. If you have a 12-week plan, you're adjusting four times in one year. So that, ju- that creates three extra little, little checkpoints for you to adjust. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, w- I would say that that's, that's good. I mean, that's the essence of success. That's the essence of what Brian's trying to get you mm-hmm. to do. Be cognizant and be aware. Yeah, I mean, the, you got to understand if the, what are the pro-survival, what are the pro-survival draw? Of, of your business now that things have changed. Like Zoom's off the, you know, this particular format of learning is off the charts. Like Zoom had, you know, a bazillion uh, new users. So if, if something's changed in a meaningful way, you go, you, you know, you're the captain of your ship. We wrote a, a course about that. Like it's your ship. You can pull the boat in and rewrite your plan. Yeah. And I would say times like this, you, you instantly rewrite. There's a lot of people sitting around. They're going to get plowed over. They haven't made any adjustments in eight weeks. Nothing. Mm. And I've, I've been, I'm in some coaching. I have coaching contracts with some big companies. And like some people are sitting there just waiting for it to happen. Like nothing's going to happen. You're going to get left behind. Like you need to be out in front. Yeah. Thinking, thinking ahead. Um, and, you know, the, the pivot, that's a great word. Whoever, whoever said that, uh, I think it was Ryan. The pivot is big. You know, you got to pivot your business, pivot your practice Yeah. on the spot. It's one of the advantages of being a small business. That's true. The Less pressure. Yeah, the equipment's not expensive to do, to do things. I mean, everything's pretty inexpensive to make changes. There are things you can control, like we were saying, and things you can't. You can't control the coronavirus. You can't control you know, the, the situation happening around you, but you can control your ability to adapt. Right. And I, I'm not even sure if it's annoying, like the oversimplification of things, but it's just like, all, I mean, really, if I'm explaining this to a five-year-old, it's like taking a big flashlight and shining it on what you're doing, having the courage to measure, having the courage to take a look and see how things are going and continue to change. Um, a lot of people don't change just because they're scared. I mean, we get into this routine and in some capacities of my life, I've been there. It's like, you don't want to touch it because it's like the, right. the bugs that are crawling under the rock, you know, it's just easier to leave it there. Right. Um, but yeah, to, to win, you have to, I like that metaphor. I think I'm going to use that. You, you um, gotta, you gotta study the trends. I mean, this has happened before, like change has happened. Uh, the industrial revolution was a lot of change. The, the technical revolution was a lot of change yeah. and there was always winners and losers in change. And I'll tell you who the losers were. The losers, losers are the one who said, what happened? And there's been deregulation and banking. There's been, uh, you know, when they made the ATM machine, they thought it was going to eliminate the bank. There's more bank employees two years after they made the ATM machine than there was before they had the ATM. The ATM machine, that for whatever reason, created more jobs in banking. Mm. They started selling more things. They had more capacity. So you're going to see transformation and trends uh, away from old ways of doing business and towards new ways. You got to get on top of a trend. The trend is your friend. You know, that's your line. The, the riches are in the niches and trends are your friends. If you use those two things and it's pro survival in a pro survival business, something that helps you survive, you can win. Love it. Well, we got five minutes left. You want to maybe give them a little preview of next week? I know we haven't really started it too much, but I just started reading this book. Uh, I laid the groundwork. This is uh, 
Viktor Frankl's uh, Man's Search for Meaning, and he was a, he was a psychiatrist that um, was uh, a Jewish, and he ended up in a concentration camp, and he wrote, um, he didn't write, he wrote the book after he survived, and I'm about an hour and a half into the book, because I'm, I'm listening to it, I'm also going to you know, take some notes, but it, the first part of the book is... No spoilers. The first part of the book is his experience, like... like I mean, I couldn't put it down. Like, I could have literally knocked... If I didn't have to do this, I'd still be listening to it. It's about the concentration camp and the unthinkable and the things that you had to do mentally to survive. You know, and there's a little bit in here that kind of resonates with the Jim, Jim Collins book with the Stockdale Paradox. Like, those who didn't transport their brains and their mind into a better place uh, didn't survive. So, um, But it's about, you know, what's the meaning of life? You know, life has a plan for you. You might not have a plan for life, but life has a plan for you. Yeah. This is one of the first books that like, truly was requested so much that we put it on our radar. Um, yeah. Sorry to interrupt. Go for it. Um, Daniela just mentioned breaking the habit of being yourself, which we, we all talked about oh, yeah. doing that. Were we yeah. talking about that an hour yeah. ago? Yeah. yeah, we just did. <laughs> that's so cool. Dispen- yeah, that's on that. yeah, he's definitely on the docket. But um, yeah, we're going <laughs> to be mixing in books that, that uh, kind of are on the periphery of business because mindset is business. And, you know, having meaning and purpose when you wake up in the morning is the reason you want to, you know, what's the meaning of, of life? Like, that's, uh, that's been pondered by philosophers for thousands of years. You know, why are we here? And, and this book is, uh, you know, a big one. 16 million copies. This is, a, this is a short book, but it's a good one. Yeah. So that means even if you're busy, maybe you can sneak in. What is it, four hours-ish? Yeah, if you if you could share, um, you know, share some content that we have. You know, uh, go to our uh, our podcast on Apple or whatever you listen to and rate it. That helps our search searchability, so it'll help us fund this this venture. You know, right now, so this is completely, uh, you know, free content that we put out, and we'll teach <clears throat> as we go how to how to monetize a business. And later, you know, later on, we're going to do some books on monetization of your business concepts, um, particularly if you're doing like social media-based businesses. We learned a lot about it. Eventually, we'd like to do these live with the author, like the way we did the interview with yeah. Brian. It'd be awesome if we do the same type of format right here with the author live in studio. Eventually, that'd be really awesome. Yeah. yeah. He wanted to do it at 8.30 in the morning, not 8.30 <laughs> at night. <laughs> he was just up the street. He's only an hour away from where we are. West Palm, right? Yeah. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, thanks so much for joining and asking questions. Always great to hear from you. Good to see familiar faces uh, and looking forward to seeing you next week. All right. Bye. All right. Take care. See you later.